Welcome to Good Christian People, an honest conversation between church leaders who recognize we're not perfect, we're barely good, but we want to be great. On today's episode, Tim takes a swing at Christian's favorite movie, I get written out of my dad's will, and together we look at how to focus our worldviews as Christians in the age of outrage. Hey everybody, welcome back to Good Christian People, the podcast, episode 9. GCP Nueve. I like it. Yeah. That was good. Well rehearsed. Guys, my name is Jeff. Across the table from me is Ferris Bueller and Cameron, was it Poe? No, Cameron Poe. (laughs) Cameron Poe was from Con Air. Nobody cared about Cameron. Oh, Cameron. So there's a theory that that Ferris Bueller's Day Off the real hero of the movie is actually Cameron. Like it's Cameron's story. You're following him and Ferris is just this thing that comes in and out of his the life. The comic relief. All right. So, uh, I, I'm not sure who is Cameron and who is Ferris over here, but pop quiz. What was mm. the name of Ferris's girlfriend? Sloan. Thank you. Sloan Peterson. Yeah. Yeah. I'm George Peter Rooney. I was going to call one of you grace, but I don't. So I don't. You, you like Ferris Bueller? I love Ferris Bueller. Okay. But I thought you didn't really like John Hughes movies. No, no, no. There's some fine John Hughes movies. It's just some of his movies are overrated. Oh. Yeah. But Ferris Bueller's Day Off, I think, is his best one. Okay. Maybe, I know, Planes, Trains is probably yours. And I think we'll actually get to that. So my head is, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about Ferris Bueller a lot because mm-hmm. there was a, uh, a Josh Gad, the guy that plays uh, the snowman, I just like, Olaf in Frozen. Do you He's want to build been, a Josh Gad? What? Do you want to build a Josh? Gale? Yeah, sure. Lots of curly hair. He was in uh, Book of Mormon, and he was very funny in that. Um, the actual Book of Mormon, not the Broadway show. The Book of Mormon, the book is hilarious. That's uh, no, not. That's John Smith, not Josh Gad. Oh, oh, I got the names wrong. So yeah. anyway, he's been doing this thing during quarantine, COVID, where he's been pulling together like famous mm-hmm. uh, groups and casts of people. I saw the like, Back to the Future one. Back to the Future, mm-hmm. uh, Goonies. Mm-hmm. What he just did, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, okay. Have not watched that one yet, but sure. I'm very excited to see. Hey, it's that just one. it's it's sad because it's such a good movie, and Matthew Broderick played played such a good part. Yeah, and it's just so sad that his career went nowhere after that. I feel like you're being sarcastic, but I feel like he peaked with Ferris Bueller. You know what? Uh, so Cameron, played by, what's his name, Alan Ruck or something? Yeah, Alan Ruck, yeah. Okay. So he's in a new TV show, which I probably I, I do not recommend, although it's a fantastic <laughs> show. Yeah. Uh, which is on HBO called, what's it called? Why did oh. I just, it just my mind went Yeah, uh, uh, Succession. Succession. He, he His character on that show is absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Love it. He's very good. Yeah, he's just he's the just I don't know. He's just the crazy spoiled kid on the side that just does his own thing and wants to run for president. And I don't know. I I feel like that's it's a, a little close to thing. home these days. <laughs> <laughs> and so actually th- that ties in really well because Cameron on Succession, he his brother in the show is Kieran Culkin. Yeah, Macaulay. Well, Macaulay's Culkin's brother. brother. Right. Yeah, but Kieran Culkin, mm-hmm. I saw him this week. Because where at Walmart? No, no, online they did. I forget what it was. I probably should if I'm going to pay homage to this, and I should probably homage. know the name homage. 
Um, but they did something for like the World City Kitchen or something. They did some kind of good charitable thing. And they have a good split pee on Wednesdays. They <laughs> they brought together the cast of Father of the Bride. Oh, no kidding. Okay. And and it wasn't like just a cast reunion. Mm-hmm. They did a Zoom movie. It was oh, like wow. twenty five minutes. They had everybody back. Hmm. The Martin fam- Short. And Martin Short. Yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, he's had some work done, and oh, it's yeah. clear. But uh, I mean, he was great. Sure. Steve Martin was great, and the whole. I'm spoiling it a little bit, but they, uh, Kieran Culkin's character is the one now getting married and he's getting oh, married okay. over zoom. Sure. After he proposes to his girlfriend over zoom. Mm-hmm. Well, or his fiance over zoom. And wasn't so that, Kieran Culkin wasn't he, I mean, so Macaulay Culkin is well known for home alone. Mm-hmm. Wasn't his, that his brother who was the one who wet the bed. Yeah. Okay. All yeah. Right. yeah. So yeah. he was in it too. So he's, so it's really weird seeing him now after seeing him in succession because the character's Oh, wildly different. Yeah, and uh, yeah, his but, character in Succession is is that's a rough character. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, not a ki- but I am a huge fan of Father of the Bride. Mm-hmm. Like I lo- I love 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 it. And oh, so a good movie, my that's one of my wife's favorites for sure. I, <laughs> wife's favorite. It is. Yeah, but making me sound like it's not cool for a dude to like it and to cry. You know in what? I love it. I'll be Ferris Bueller. You can be Yankee Candle. That sounds good. That's it. That mm-hmm. works. Yeah. And I feel like after our conversation to start pre-recording, uh, I'm trying to make my voice sound lower. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. No. So, guys, uh, what you missed is Tim basically commenting that he finally listened to like one episode, like 10, 10 minutes, minutes of, of it. it. <laughs> right, 10 minutes. And I thought, man, I've got a really sultry voice. I know. Nice. I know. I appreciate you listening to 10 minutes of what we've face, recorded. Face and a voice for radio, for mm-hmm. sure. No, for sure. Yeah, I'm I Casey Kasem. That's good. Mm-hmm. So you've only listened to ten. Like, have you only listened to one episode mm-hmm. for ten minutes? Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Wow. So you've never we you commented before too mm-hmm. that you think by the time we get to the closing and we're telling about all of the ways to contact us and have a conversation with us that most people don't make it that far. Yeah, it's like who. It, that's the same as watching the credits after a movie. Yes. Who but, stays and watches the credits after a movie? All right. Well, you're okay. My hand was raised. Uh huh. Yeah. I, I and those and, good people did a lot. And I of love fine you work. with the love of the Lord. Yeah. However, that doesn't make any sense. So it, it, no. Yeah. When you get to the closing of, of a podcast, you, you switch. You move on. Thank you. But why would someone sit why? through the credits? Why? Well, the only reason to sit through the credits is if you're watching a Marvel movie and you want to see the tag at the end. Correct. But, but that happens in Marvel movies. You watch other movies than Marvel, right? Oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't sit through all of the credits of every movie I see. Okay. Yeah, but what my point is... I said, who sits through the credits of movies? You raised your hand, so you assumed what, that you I was asking every Marvel single movie. movie. Well, it'd be the same thing if I said, who watches TV? And you raised your hand, and I said, you've watched every episode of every TV show? My point being... No, I'm in the right here. I don't... <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> my point being... At the end of our episodes, Josie throws on a little post-credits blooper, which probably nobody has heard except for me and him. Uh, but it is the highlight. It really is the best part of the show. So that's that's good. Yeah, no, you should sit through them and then go back and listen because there are some really funny ones. The one the one with Dave was uh, very good. Episode five, I was very happy with that one. That came off very well. Yeah. So, but I'm not gonna tell you what it is. Anyway, we were talking about like people getting together on zoom Mm -hmm. and I wanted to uh, confess something here right at the front. Sure. I gave my first political donation. Oh wow. 
to the Democrat Party of Wisconsin. You're okay. Yeah, I've never given money to a campaign ever before. I think that's dumb for me. If you okay. do it and that's your thing, go for it. But for me, it's like I don't want to invest in that. So you decided to invest monetarily into a temporary kingdom mm-hmm. instead of giving to the Lord's kingdom. I give to the Lord's kingdom. Okay. I give more than a dollar to the Lord's kingdom. Oh, you kingdom. give a dollar. I give one dollar. All right. So and you give a dollar and you decided your first investment into the political world would probably write you out of your father's will by giving to the Democratic Yeah, but party. see, I can explain why. Oh. Because the Democratic Party of Wisconsin okay. had all of the cast that's still alive except for Fred Savage come together for a script reading of The Princess Bride. Fred Savage? Not Fred Savage. He, he, they didn't put him in. For some reason, they got the kid from Stranger Things to come in and be the... Which I don't know why, because Rob Reiner said, all the cast that's still alive is here, and right. I didn't see him. So I'm going to show my ignorance. Yeah. I've never sat through the entirety of Princess Bride. you got to be kidding And me. I didn't know that Fred Savage was in there. He's I, the first character you see. I, 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 I know Fred Savage from the Wonder Years. That's it. That's it. Josie, so for those of you, like, I'm dumbfounded. We may need to pause this recording. Yeah, well, you haven't seen the original Willy Wonka, so let's call it That's even. That's not, no. Let's call it Put even. Put it in on Facebook. We're going to do a poll. We're going to do a poll. What's more significant than Princess Bride or Willy Wonka? And realize we're talking to Christians, so it's definitely the Princess Bride. But what is, what is non-Christian about Willy Wonka? Nothing. It's just that. Like the Princess Bride is like second to the Bible in terms of things that Christians engage with in terms of some form of media. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Josie just held up his iPad saying same, meaning he's never been all the way through the Princess Bride. Anyway, it's fantastic. And they brought all of the cast together, but you had to give a donation and the minimum donation. They were like every the suggested donation is twenty seven dollars. And I said, I'll give you one. I will give you $1 so I can watch this. So why Wisconsin? Just because it's a swing state? I guess. I don't wanna, know. So now you've contributed to, uh, I if guess, the election, what advertisements there? I don't know. Okay. If the election hinges on my $1, then I will come back and I will go door to door to every single person who listens and say and is unhappy about it, and I will... Tell them I'm sorry. But, but you're going to have to answer to your father on the second week of November. You I know think, what? what? I'm going to share the link to him. In fact, we'll put the link to the video in the show notes yeah. so that everybody can watch it. And uh, and then we get our money's worth. Okay. Well, congratulations. Thank you for joining the process. It, it was it was phenomenal. Mandy Patinkin and Wallace Shawn as, as their characters were great. They, and they had Josh. This is all coming full circle. They mm-hmm. had Josh Gad mm-hmm. do Andre the Giant, mm-hmm. which is kind of funny. I remember Andre the Giant. He's, he's passed now, right? Oh, yeah. 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 I, I read a story about how much I know we're getting ready to talk about binging. Yeah, I read. A, I remember reading a story about how much that man drank in yeah. terms of alcohol, mm. and I don't even. I'm not even going to guess what I read, but all I know is my jaw hit the floor when I. I mean, just the man was a raging alcoholic. And you said, "Challenge accepted." <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's enough to turn your hair gray, and so they. Um, I couldn't drink as much water as he drank in yeah. beer, as according to the story. I believe that. Yeah. I believe that. Uh, and so I wanted to ask the two of you, and Josie already gave her answer, and you don't really care about this question, but if you could have like your dream cast reunion, that you could say, hey, I want to have this cast of this movie or TV show come together and like see them do something again. Maybe not just like a Q&A like Josh Gad is doing, but like a script reading or like the Father of the Bride 3 movie that they did. Like what would what would you want to see? Who would you want to see? Who are you asking? You. Me. Mm. Well, I mean, you mentioned John Hughes and you mentioned P.T. 
yeah, P- I knew P- that's where you were going. Uh, Planes, trains, and automobiles. No, but I have two, and I have two. It's two of my favorite movie stars are not with us any longer, and that is John Candy. Yeah, and that is also from the great movie Tommy Boy. Mm, Chris Farley. Chris Farley. Mm. Yeah, and so I, I would love to see a reunion of. I'd love to see just uh, so. Um, they had the special of Martin Short and Steve Martin on Netflix or whatever. So good. Yeah, just a great little comedy um, piece. Uh, but John Candy and Steve Martin, again, that would be a reunion that it's not going to happen, but yeah. how wonderful would that be? And also Chris Farley and David Spade. I would love yeah. to see. But That's a good you, one. you asked for the dream. These mm-hmm. are the impossible dreams, but I would love to be able to. I, man, Chris Farley and John Candy, those are those are two careers that got cut short by yeah. bad bad living. I would I would really like to. See that as well. That was good. I didn't even think of Chris Farley. And I love Chris Farley and David Spade. I've often said, I don't know if I've said it to you, you remind me of David Spade a lot. <laughs> just because I'm snarky? Yeah. 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 And it's like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, just have some some snark about All right, you. Let, let, come on. Let's go. We're talking about binging today. Yeah. Sort of. I mean, like, it'll come up. You know, we're and, and we're still in the middle of Christians in the Age of Outrage, and, and we've got some things to talk about that'll be a little less uh, fun. And so I thought maybe we'd just kind of have a story or two that we can kind of hang on to and kick off in a way that sounds fun. And then we'll just get into the thick of it. Yeah. So we're thinking about all these shows and these movies this past weekend, my daughter and a couple of her friends came over and on Saturday morning, I believe around six, 7 AM, they went into our basement and began watching the first Harry Potter movie. And they went through every single Harry Potter movie over 20 hours. How many how many are there? 8. Wow, for eight real movies. Wow. And they sat in their little Harry Potter onesies and they watched all of the movies. Mm. And we just had to keep like throwing food down to them, beverages. They would come up and like take like little snack breaks or whatever, mm. but they I mean, when I got ready for church the next morning at like I was heading out at 7:30, it was like dead silent. They had finished around 4 a.m. Oh. And they so did, then they, and then they slept through church. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's Father sure. of the year. Yeah. Well, I didn't say it wasn't. Uh, <laughs> so I want to ask you: Have you or Josie? Have you guys ever binged anything? Like, what's your best binge? Like TV binging story? Okay. Like, let's not Andre the Giant it here. Yeah. Um. So I know I know I'm coming prepared for this. And, and no. So I haven't really technically binged a lot, but I have watched too much TV. Of course. Uh, when I first got um when I when I was the youth pastor here at this church and then got my first pastorate. This small church, uh, you know, we didn't have a facility. We were meeting in a school, and so my home was my office, and that was my first time in my life. I was 30 years old uh, where home was my office, and I, you know, went into it saying, man, this is going to be great. I'm going to be able to, uh, so much personal development. I'm going to be able to read. I'm going to be able to study all this difference, and I did. Sure. However, that was the time when I realized, wow, I'm like five seasons into Lost, and I haven't seen any of it. And I think I went through the five seasons of Lost within a month. Wow. And that's, that's fast. That's a lot of TV sure. for me. So I consider that a binge, even though I didn't sit down for 20 hours at a time. But mm-hmm. I did watch too much TV uh, because, I don't know, I felt this new, new sense of freedom, if you will. And I, I wasn't as disciplined as I should be. By the way, binging is just a lack of discipline. Sure. And we're going to talk about that. There is a reason that we are bringing this up because it is going to play a role in our conversation today. Josie, do you have anything? He's holding up his iPad. I finished Stranger Things, Star Trek Enterprise, Star Trek, The Next Generation, and Parks and Rec while on the couch with a broken ankle. That and that was what? In one week, right? Is there any chance you might be like the love child of Dwight Schrute or something? 
Like, have you also done Battlestar Star Galactica? Dwight Schrute in who? No. Or just Dwight Schrute in? I don't know. I just I, I read that. I mean, I'm like, that's that's a Dwight Schrute answer. Oh, I for think. sure. Yeah. Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, absolutely. So I think I have you both beat. My daughter takes after me because in 2003 in 24. January 24. Yeah, I remember the story. I'm still disgusted by it. It is. I'm kind of disgusted by it now. So I was a big fan of 24 season two came out and I got season one DVD box set for Christmas. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do the whole thing, but I'm going to do it like in real time in the same kind of context. And it was on a a California primary or something. And so it would have been on a Tuesday. It started at midnight. Mm -hmm. And so I went the whole day Monday at school and work. And then a buddy came over and at 12 o'clock, we pressed play mm-hmm. and we watched all 24 episodes. Never fell asleep. We fell asleep. We allowed ourselves because the episodes went for 42 minutes. We allowed ourselves two 15 minute naps <laughs> at one, you know, at some point in the thing. So you had it, but we just did all of these uh, energy drinks. How much we, jolt cola did you drink? That a night? ton. Yeah. A ton. Was like jolt still out then? It was probably in 2005. It, monster. There were, uh, there were so many energy drinks that we had and yeah. it was, and clam chowder. I don't know why it clam chowder, but we, we made it through the whole thing. And then when it was done, it was like, I just wasted 24 hours. I mean, like it was a cool story to have. I mean, it's, now that I'm saying it out loud, I don't even think it's that cool. Like Josie's giving me a face. He's like, no, it's not cool. You know, uh, as energy drinks, man, it's such a thing now. It wasn't a thing at all. Like in the nineties we had Jolt Cola and that right. was like super cool. Yeah. And then and Red Sun Bull. Bolt. Red Bull was like the first thing to cut. That right. was like 99, 2000 was right when we yeah. were going into college. And I remember, you know, it, it helped me get through my first year of college, but um, now it's now. I mean, a whole daggone case in Seven Eleven is all energy drinks, right? Like the world's changed. It's incredible. I, I sound like such an old man complaining about this. You do, but. but you have a deep voice, and so it sounds really, really nice, and oh, everybody yeah. likes it. We got some new segments. Uh, I want to return to. I apologize for what I said last week. Yeah. I actually don't remember what I said last week, uh, and we I've not listened to it. Yeah. But I know that what we did in order to continue with content and put some things out there. We made the choice of recording two episodes back to back episodes mm-hmm. eight and eight and a half. Yep. And I tell you what, when we started episode eight and a half, I was brain dead. You know what we should have done? We should have done episode eight and a half before eight. No, we should oh. have given you a 15 minute cat nap because apparently that works. It works. Yeah. And I'll be good to go for another couple of hours. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of Red so Bull. if I said something in the last episode uh, that uh, gave you some thoughts towards me, uh, I guess I apologize. I'd have to go back and listen to it. I th- I'm sure we did great. I'm guessing that if <laughs> if people didn't turn you off in episode eight, yeah, then whatever you said in eight and a half yeah. is fine. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. Do you have anything you want to apologize for last week? No, about, I would, I would apologize week? for what I did this week. Uh-huh. I, I forgot to bring the book. We're discussing a book, and I didn't bring it to the studio. So, mm-hmm. anyway. I'm just gonna. I'm going off memory, and the good thing is, I have, I have, I've got a fantastic, I've got a terrible memory. Yep. And then we, all right. So we said fun stuff over. Let's get into some serious stuff for just a second. Yeah. That is going to feel not great to do. Um, every now and again, we're not going to do this every single week, but when the not. need calls for it, we may need to address some things. And there are a couple of things uh, that we would like to introduce, just called laments. Tim, mm. what are laments? Laments are an expression of grief. Mm-hmm. And I this I said this actually in a in a um, sermon not too long ago. A lament is an expression of grief. A complaint is an expression of the fairness of that grief. Yeah, it's I not like that. fair. That's good. Yeah, I think I came up with that on my own. I can't remember. Anyway, who knew? Yeah, 
We have a couple things we need to lament. We need to express some grief. The first one is about a guy uh, that, how do you say it? He was... Ravi Zacharias. Yeah. You don't know how to pronounce his name. No, I know how to pronounce his name. What I'm saying is, is who he was in terms of, uh, he was instrumental. He was the top Christian apologist of our age. Yeah. Of our generation. Yep. And when he passed, that was a really big deal. I mean, a lot of people grieved over that because he was, he was a brain. When we talked last week about, you know, being sharp, being Mm -hmm. smart. His books take me forever to Mm -hmm. get through. Yeah. Forever. And I mean, he just, and he just really was able to share theology and apologetics in a way that was just, it made me like, I was like, I'm so glad he's on our team. And then some articles came out and it looks like that there were some things in his life that were really pretty atrocious, uh, borderline predatory. And, uh, as much as we would love to say, you know, that's not true. Um, I definitely don't want to put ourselves in the position of just defending the flock or Mm. defending the team. Um, and so we recognize that we need to call it out. And uh, do you have any thoughts on that? No, I mean, uh, yesterday was a bad day. Um, uh, yesterday was a bad day because yesterday was the day after the first presidential debate, which is another lament. Oh, yeah, it's that first one. I mean, so whenever you're listening to this podcast, listener, uh, think back a few weeks in your life and remember that first one through with Biden and Trump, which, by the way, I heard that on um, uh, that whoever runs the debates, they're mm-hmm. actually talking. I don't know if they've made the actual decision, but they're going to start cutting off the mics. Yeah. And if that's the case. Glory, hallelujah, uh, that they turn off microphones and just let the men speak. Say, say what you want to say. I mean, debates are one of those things where you can say whatever you want to say. And I mean, you only get fact check on Twitter later on. Sure. But just, you know, lie or uh, or give your truth, whatever it is, but just let the person speak. So anyway, I, I was I was already my brain fried from watching that. I don't know why I chose to. Um, but it, getting up the next morning, just kind of mad at the chaos of the world <laughs> and of possibly a, a low point in American politics, which yeah. was that first, um, maybe an all-time low, that first uh, presidential debate. And then I got on Christianity Today just that morning. It, it dropped at like 9 a.m. or something and read about Ravi, and it was like a double hit, man. And yeah. so yesterday was not a good day. Then we went into a Zoom staff meeting, and I was just like, let's just get this over with. Like, yeah. we just need to... Uh, I was I was definitely grieving yesterday. It was a tough day, I and mean, so uh, we lament uh, what has happened with Ravi Zacharias. And you know, it definitely has a. Let's wh- say this: we also lament the victims, right? We're not we're not hundred percent. Yeah, that's here. where I was heading. Yeah. yeah, and and that's that's the thing is that we don't want to sit here and say, oh, the man did good, and we we benefited from that, and so let's gloss over these other things. Yeah, uh, there's some some bad things that happened, yeah. and uh, and we have to call that out. And to be clear, the man did good, sure. but he also did evil. He did evil. And we can't gloss over the evil and say that he did good. I mean, we can, it, 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 this is something where there's a duality of a life yeah. and we can acknowledge both. Now, the question is, is the evil so atrocious that you kind of need to gloss over the good? Yeah. I don't know. I think that's a personal choice that people need to make. I mean, I have been helped by Robbie in the past and just his knowledge and his, uh, but at the same time, I am absolutely sickened. Yeah. Uh, to my core, uh, you know, I'm to the point where I was a bit nauseous yesterday in reading that article from CT. It's tough because what do you do with somebody like that, particularly somebody who's passed on? I mean, let's let's go just John Christ, right? Like he did some real bad things mm-hmm. to some people mm-hmm. and, and he victimized a number of women. He back. 
and he's starting to come back. And and there's people who are very much like, no, that that door is shut to you, friend. Sure. Like you can't come back from because of what you did. And and it's he has the ability to kind of come back and make things right if sure. he were to do that. And Ravi doesn't have the opportunity to do that. And so it really makes you go, what do you? How do you weigh? I think yeah. For for me as a pastor, someone who stands on the pulpit, uh, there's a different. Um, there's a different standard that people with a voice, a different standard. John Christ, regardless of, I mean, he's a comedian, but he also teaches. Sure. I mean, he teaches through his comedy and people look up to him and like athletes say, hey, don't look at me. You know, don't look at me as a, as a um, what do you call it? Someone to look up to. A yeah. role model. That's it. Yeah. Don't look at me as a role model. Like, sorry, dude, you're getting paid $25 million a year and it's your choice to play in the league. You're a role model. Same thing with Christ. Yeah. Like I, I, you are a role model because you are putting yourself in the spotlight and there's a different standard that we are held to. So if, if I, uh, lived an atrocious life and I failed morally horribly, uh, I would want, um, I would want people to forgive, but I wouldn't want people to trust me to be back in the spotlight. Like hmm. you have now, I think there's ever, um, I, I think for a long time. Sure. I think for a long time. Um, I think there's there's a different standard that is held to. Um, you know, I I think of like the Jimmy Swaggarts of the world, who I mean, he had a, a you know an atrocious moment in his life or moments. Uh, he lamented, he repented, he confessed, all that kind of stuff. He went to jail, I think. Yeah. And now he's back in the pulpit. And for some, for me, it's just too early. Sure. I just I think you could you don't have to be back in the spotlight to serve the kingdom. You, you can re, you can repent. You can receive the Lord's forgiveness. And you can serve from the sidelines, serve, sure. serve from the back pew, man. Um, and I think in some people's life, that's just, I think you've, you've relegated yourself to that role because, yeah. because you're a distraction. Absolutely. And that's, that's it's, it's not so much that you can't do the role anymore. It's not so much that, it, that God hasn't forgiven you. You haven't you be, lost your gift. You have become, you've, you've become a distraction. And if Ravi was alive right now, that's exactly what I, you are a distraction to the kingdom. Yep. And you just can't do it. That's what I would. Yeah, that that would be my. Opinion. And not only are you distraction, but for the people who you victimized every time you're on, it it certainly looks like oh this is this is yeah. reigniting that pain. Mm-hmm. And so we we lament that and we are sorry um, mm. that that's even a thing. Yeah, let's let's move. And then we had the debate, oh. which we are not going to spend a lot of time on this. I mean, one of the I benefits, said my piece. You you you, you go ahead. So, How would you think? To me, here's the thing. Two days later, everybody's up in arms because of how this thing went off. Mm-hmm. And the thing for me, like, I didn't even watch the whole thing. I watched, I was doing some stuff around the house. I caught like, and then I started making salad for the bearded dragon and I got distracted and didn't return. Like, that's how significant what? this was to me. Like for our, for our, one of our pets, oh, I had goodness. to like make salad and I'm like, I'm not going to watch the debate. I'm going to go make salad for a baby dragon. Okay. And so. I, I live a different life than you, man. That that was the weirdest zoo. statement I've ever heard anyone say. <laughs> really? I walked away from a presidential debate to make salad for a bearded dragon. For anyway, a bearded dragon, because that's how. They, because the whole thing was just an atrocity. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. But it my bad. thing is, everybody's so mad about it. What did you think was going to happen? Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what we thought yep. was going to happen. Yep. And which is President Trump is, and was a bully. And then, you know, and then Biden didn't know how to answer anything. And then somehow the story is the moderator did a bad job putting these people in her place. And it's like, here's how are you going to be? This is the thing that I came away with that surprised me. How are you going to be the law and order guy 
and you can't even follow debate rules. Like that's I don't get that. I'm just it's like a mute mute switch, man. For, yeah, but you know what though? That's three. gonna that's gonna infuriate people so much because then what they're saying is, well, then the moderator is just gonna censor whatever they don't want to hear. No, and, you just you have two minutes. Say what you want to say. Okay, now you have two minutes. Say what you want to say. Then there's no censoring. That nah, ain't gonna happen. Uh, that, that, that's fair. That's it may fair. be fair, <laughs> but when have we seen fair? Anyway, so my thing is, is that the, the, the frustration that I, that I see is that both sides have done what we've talked about on this podcast uh, in the sense that they are both saying my side won. So the left said Biden won. The right said Trump has won. And what not enough people are saying. America lost. America lost. <laughs> like, <laughs> was... I mean, like this is, this is bad. And like, you know, people try to say, you know, read tea leaves and go, man, is this what God is? You know, all of these things that are happening, is this God? And I, oh, and gee. normally go, no, come End on. times. End is this times, what we're saying? Right. Yeah. But I would look at this and say, God's so mad at us. I don't know. I mean, maybe God is mad at us. I don't know. If, if, if he's mad at us and this is indication of it, then he's real mad at us. And we need to, to get I mean, on that. God does not like sin. And there nope. are a lot of people who are in this, in the world, in this country, uh, in our quote, Christian nation, unquote, who are in terrible sin and do not have the shield of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, and, and when you don't have that, you're in the wrath of God. And so I don't think it's theologically incorrect at all to say God is mad. Sure. Yeah. But I mean, the question would then be, is God, is the things that we're going through sure. God's wrath or, and we'll talk about that in a macro, bit. macro, yeah, God is sure. mad. Yeah. hundred yes. percent. Yeah. Don't yeah. micro just because of that debate. I don't, I don't, right. I don't think God, you know, I don't think God tuned into the debate. No, no, no. But I'm saying, is that God saying, look, I'm, I'm, I'm peacing out and this is what you guys are left with. God and may have peaced out a long time maybe. ago. Maybe. But my point in looking at all this is that whatever side you're on, we should evaluate this and go, this was not a good experience. Mm-hmm. And that as Christians, we should want to rise above and not participate in it. Mm-hmm. And so that leads us into our conversation today. Over the past few weeks, last few episodes, we have been working through Ed Stetzer's book, Christians in the Age of Outrage. Mm. We've looked at the reality of the culture of outrage. We've seen how convictional Christianity has been exposed as being the fringe like it has lost power. It has lost influence. And yeah. for those of us on the convictional Christian side who really was, were holding on to that power, uh, it results in fear and anger. Welcome to the minority, y'all. Yep. And so what we do then is we huddle together, we become our little tribe, we turn against the other side, and we treat them in ways that dishonor Christ. Yeah, we're like the Amish who complain about the world as opposed to the Amish who just, just keep to themselves. Keep to themselves. Yeah, we, that'd, be, that'd be really good. We should all be a little more Amish uh, and maybe turn off some tech. I and mean, we'll talk about that too. And so I'm going to have some good food, man. They do. Ooh. And great chairs, uh, <laughs> awesome donuts. And, uh, but what, what I really like about chapter seven in Stetzer's book, like up to this point, we've looked at just, man, everything seems bad. Everything mm-hmm. seems gross. But halfway through the book, he turns and it goes good where he starts saying, we need to look for the positive and for the right ways as Christians to engage. So this, the last three episodes of maybe you felt a little dirty coming out going, Oh, there's no hope. There is hope. And we're going to start moving into that and how we as Christians can engage with the culture in ways that honor Christ. And so that starts with our worldview Mm -hmm. and how we approach things. Mm -hmm. Stetra says, if you try to engage in the age of outrage with a wrong or malformed worldview, it will eat you alive. And so the purpose of this book 
he says, is to challenge Christians to be servants of Jesus Christ who shine the light of the gospel into the age of outrage, yeah. to be wholly submitted to the gospel, a view of authority, an action that is surrendered to the word of God. Oh, the word of God. The word of God. Not the word of our favorite celebrity politician. No, definitely not. Um, because they, those two very often don't align. And so we need to have a quick conversation about the significance of worldview. Mm-hmm. Tim, is there a way that you can think of to, to well summarize what the meaning of worldview is? I mean, worldview is our lens. Mm-hmm. It's the way we see the world. And the way we see the world is then how we act and approach the world. Yeah. So right from the very beginning, you know, you have the you, you have different issues that people are going to see from different lenses because of the way they believe. Yeah. Um, so and quite honestly, you can say someone's worldview is their religion. And even if it's we talked about this a few weeks ago, even if if it's a Christian or Islamic or a Mormon or Hindu or secular, uh, it's still their worldview, which is their religion. So there, there's no, there's no way in any public square debate where you can say, Hey, we're going to take religion out of this. In fact, let me recommend a book, how the nations rage. I don't remember the name of the author, but he, um, how the nations rage, uh, the, it was written by a guy who was on the elder team at Capitol Hill Baptist church down with Mark Dever, a uh, fabulous book that has really challenged me a lot on my political engagement. And he, um, he, he makes this point very strongly that everyone has a worldview and everyone brings that worldview, i.e. their belief system into the debate. We as Christians, we, we can never divorce ourselves from our worldview and then go in and debate a debate an issue or a topic is always who we are because we are people who come from a biblical worldview and the, the secular world come from a, you know, whatever you want to do is right. Come from a non-biblical worldview right. where there, there is no absolutes and all that kind of stuff. They cannot separate themselves from that worldview. We are all our worldview. And that is yeah. why it's extremely important um, that we understand when, when we as a Christian are engaging with the world, we can't separate ourselves. And also we're engaging with somebody from a different lens. And so they're absolutely going to see the issue, whatever it is from a different way and yeah. for us to say just see it how i see it is impossible yeah because they don't have the holy spirit they don't have an understanding of the scripture and so to ask people to see it the way we see it is just fool's errands so in in, in, in other words we shouldn't try to get someone to the gospel through the issue we should get someone mm. to the gospel so that they might be able to see the issue in a different way but yeah we would rather just fight over issues instead of the gospel well and so often if you approach it that way it's to say okay we have if, if you were to acknowledge listen we have different worldviews come see it as my, my way what we're saying is I'm right, you're wrong, mm-hmm. you just need a shift in your worldview. Mm-hmm. And that may be correct. Mm-hmm. However, that's not received in such a way that makes people go, oh, I really like you telling me that the way that I've built my life and I see things and I engage with the world is completely wrong, that I've wasted my life with this worldview. I should just do everything that you tell me to do. Because the reality is, yes, we need to have a gospel worldview, but so often we bring in our own issues. We bring in our own biases Mm -hmm. and we attach that to the gospel. And then we tell people, this is what you should be doing. And very often, as we talk about in the legalism thing, we're, we're adding to based on our worldview. Mm -hmm. And so then what we need to do is maybe realize that on certain issues, we may not have the whole thing locked down, that there may be another way to see things and engaging with someone else to say, let me try to see in kind of an empathetic way. Let me try to understand because all of our worldviews, while we may be tribal, we may say, hey, we're in a community that agrees. Mm -hmm. All of our worldviews 
are formed by our own lives Mm -hmm. and our experiences. And so when what I bring to the thing, even if the three of us sitting here, Hey, we agree on this, 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 we're all approaching it still from a different way. And we need to understand that the people who are outside our group Mm -hmm. who have different life experiences, that's okay. And we don't have, we don't have that same understanding. Yeah. So let's take a hot button topic. Let's say, let's take gender. Right. So uh, from a Christian viewpoint, uh, from uh, biblically in scripture, we, we find two genders. Right. Uh, and so that's that's our lens. And so Christians quite often will go into a debate about gender and talk to someone who says that there's a spectrum of genders or there's more or whatever. There's no binary gender, whatever. Mm. Uh, they'll go in and they'll say something to the fact of how could you be so obtuse? How could mm. you not see it? How And because they're coming in from a non-biblical worldview and they don't care what the scripture says. And they're coming in from a, all right, there is no creator. There is no definition. There is what we define. And so, of course, they're going to come in and say, well, we want to define it how we want. And so for us as Christians, so often it things seem simple. Yeah. But they're not. Yeah. None of it's simple. It's simple when we, it's simple to everyone who sees an issue through their own worldview. And we as Christians would do well to love the people on the other side of the issue and say, you know what, let me listen. Yeah. Let me listen. Let me be quick to listen and slow yeah. to speak. And let me love you through this conversation. And even if we don't agree at the end, uh, let me respect you and your position. And I'm going to ask you to respect me and my position. And let's talk through it because we see things differently because of our worldview. One of the things I really like that Stetzer says in here, he talks about how you know our worldview really determines our reactions, our decisions to things. Mm-hmm. However... Our choices and our influence also determine our worldview. Mm-hmm. So it's very circular. It's very mm-hmm. much that, that it's not just, hey, this is what's happening. This is what we understand. It's the choices that we make lead us to understanding our world in the way that it is. We are responsible for our worldview. Sure. We participate in determining it, whether that's gradual sure. or whether that's immediate. Well, because this is, a, we mentioned tribalism, right? Yeah. And so uh, someone can be uh, of the belief that all are created in the image of God and all these, let's, you know, and when it comes to even color, skin, or race. Um, but when your actions and when your experiences, when you are in a bubble of, I'm only with the people that look like me, sound like me, you know, act like me. It, it, you are going to have that bubble affect you, regardless of whether you think people that don't look like you or live on the other side of the world and think differently, that they were created in the image of God and they're loved by God as well. You can think that, you can know that, but your experiences are going to leak into and still form in your worldview. And so you've yeah. got, you, I, you have in some very many ways, you have, um, you have Christians who mean well, but they don't understand the racial issues of today because they've never experienced it. Sure. They've not That's gone into one. it. They don't, yeah. they're, they're not in that. And so they're in their insulated world and they say, well, what? I don't, I don't, I don't get that. Something's wrong yeah. out there and I don't yeah. understand it because of our experiences that feed yeah. in. I've never, I mean, race is a good one. We'll have to have that conversation in another podcast. That'll be fun. Josie just held up his iPad and said, why would someone want to accept a worldview from a group of people who are hypocritical and how they live out that worldview? Someone is campaigning for a microphone. That was, that was solid. We've already had the hypocrite certain uh, podcast, so I don't think we need to talk about that anymore. Strong, unapologetic statements are my happy place. And that's why you don't have a microphone. I think Joe just likes to drop the truth bombs in the middle of the room and walk Walk away. away. Yeah, like somebody else I know that's sitting next to him. He's a tweeter. He's a tweeter. (laughs) Weird. (laughs) One of the things I like that Josie just pointed out that Ed Stetzer brings up in his book on page 136, he says, how we respond to the challenges and questions of life 
exposes our worldview and our worldview might not be what we think it is that when life happens, I have a friend who is an atheist who likes to give me a hard time about my faith and likes to whatever, but I hope we all do. Yeah. But earlier this year, Mm. her dad had a heart attack, was Mm. in the hospital Mm. all the time with, with COVID. And she was very nervous and sent me a message and said, would you please pray for my dad? Sure. So this lady who doesn't believe in God in the moment of crisis, all of a sudden is like, uh, Hey, Christian person who has a connection with the big guy, would you please go talk to him on my behalf? And, you know, and it was one of those good, glad to do it, having conversation about what that looks like. And just to go back and say, sometimes the things that we hold and the things that we profess don't really align. Mm. And Stetzer says on page 137, when our worldview is markedly similar to that of a person who does not know Jesus, what does that say about us? Mm. That in these moments of crisis, whether it be COVID, whether it be election, whether it be sickness, whether it be whatever, mm-hmm. when it all comes down to it and we start to act in ways that betray the things that we profess, sure. it's exposing our worldview. It's right. showing that, that who, we, who we really are and what we really believe. Because it's not only our lens, it's how we act upon right. what we see. And how so there engage. are a lot of Christians who will stand up and say, yeah, I'm a Bible-believing Christian until the tough get gets going yeah and then the going ain't getting cut tough or whatever it is yeah um yeah it's so there's a lot of people who will um will shy back you know peter and rooster style even with even the smallest of little conversations it's a good example because you know here's peter the guy that's willing to cut ears off of dudes uh and then when all of a sudden the heat gets turned up a little bit uh he can't stand up in front of a little girl. Mm-hmm. And so that that's just, uh, you know, worldview changes when things get rocked. At the time, Jesus was doing well. Jesus was the Messiah. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is on trial. And sure. it's like, wait a second. But worldview doesn't change. Worldview gets exposed. Yeah. 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 But I mean, worldview can change. I mean, worldview can change over time. And that's over kind of time, what we're right. talking about. Sure. Yeah. And even with crisis, I mean, crisis can make you go, oh, what I thought was true was not true. Sure. When something blows up you know, whether it's a relationship or whatever, then all of a sudden now my, my worldview has changed. Yeah. So in figuring out how we can bring our worldview back into a gospel centered worldview, the second step is to recognize and evaluate the factors of distraction, the factors that contribute to our loss of worldview. We're going to get to the first step. The first thing we need to do at the very end, we're going to kind of Tarantino this. There are two factors of distraction that Stetzer points out in his book that contribute to our loss of a gospel worldview. And the first one, and we've talked about this on multiple podcasts. It's a problem of quality outraged voices. Yeah. Cause we are all, as mentioned, we are all being discipled by someone, something we have inputs that make us who we are. We have inputs that change the way we see the world when we only see uh, the, the, the left side of an issue or the right side of an issue, it will change the way we see things. When, in, unless we take a larger 35,000 foot view, we're only going to get fed, uh, you know, just a, a little bit. And so we are all being discipled by someone. And the, you have to ask yourself and evaluate, who am I listening to? Mm-hmm. You know, what voices am I allowing to come in? Where am I allowing my head to go? Mm-hmm. And, and what are they putting into it? Mm-hmm. I don't think too often we evaluate the messages that are coming in mm-hmm. as well as the messengers there because they're, the world is full. Uh, our media uh, radio and TV is full of messengers who get paid, 
who literally get paid millions of dollars to stir up trouble mm-hmm. and to stir you up. And there are people, there are Christians who get home and they turn on the TV and it stays on their favorite news channel, whatever it is. And when they're done, they are more outraged. They are more, um, well, let's just say they, it, it is not life-giving and peace-giving. Yeah. You know, what they allow to speak in, it's, it, it's an enraging. Them. Yeah. And we're not finding voices to come speak in that are going to challenge us. We find the voices that are saying the things that we believe already. Mm. We are finding the voices that say, you are going to tell me what I want to hear. Okay. And then therefore, you're not going to challenge me. You are just going to make me more enthusiastic sure. in my belief. Sure. The moment that someone who we consider to be a, a and we wouldn't call them disciplers, but somebody who is mentoring me or somebody who is speaking into my life, whether it's media or in real life, as soon as they start to say challenging things, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden it's like, I don't like this. This hurts. Sure. Well, and that's, and we're going to talk about this in a little bit. Um, one of some of the way back, the alternative, what, what we should be doing right. is we should be in scripture and allowing scripture to speak to us. But the problem is scripture is self-defined as a double edged sword, a two edged sword, yeah. which hurts us. When, when we see the scripture, we see our sin, we see our depravity. We certainly see the grace that is led through Jesus, but most Christians, it's well, not most, a lot of Christians would rather have the TV scratch their back as opposed to the scripture pierce their heart. Ooh. Oh. That's good. That's tweetable. Write that down. Stetcher calls back to Philippians 4.8 where he talks, Stetcher refers back to Philippians 4.8 when Paul talks about whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, lovely, excellent, think on these things. Right? He's calling us back and I really like how uh, Stetzer is calling out saying, Paul is calling us to reflect on our influences, challenging us to consider whether they align with the characteristics of God's holiness. Paul connects the quality of our influences to the quality of our spiritual lives. Mm. And if you have to look at that and say the people that I'm listening to, whether it's in print, whether it is in TV, radio, people in real life that I am just surrounding myself with and just having these conversations, people that I'm engaging with on social media, if they represent the quality of your spiritual life, <laughs> how are you doing? Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. And look, everyone is different. The, what we're talking about here is moderation, that the things that you sure. allow to come in yeah. moderation, some people, maybe abstinence is your thing. Maybe it's just, I can't listen to the news. I can't have these conversations. I'm going to disengage from this aspect of social media because it's going to stir me up and I can't, I, I can't go there. Yeah. And I'm actually going to bring that up later on. But yeah. Go ahead. And, and maybe, but maybe not. But the thing is we have to co- constantly be evaluating what we are giving access to. Right. And then not just who are we listening to? And it's an issue of quality, but as he talks about here, and this is where we get back to talking about binging. Mm. It's a problem of quantity. Sure. It's a problem of watching 24 hours of 24. Yeah. And, and, but, but this comes down ah. to, yeah. So th- this comes down to distraction. Yes. So again, it's, it's also, it's the quality of the input like we're talking about, but it's also the quantity of the input, right? So yeah. it's a matter of what is not just discipling you, but what is the pie chart? What is the majority of the voices coming in? Do you have more uh, Fox News and MSNBC coming into your life than you have scripture or things that are holy and righteous? Do you have more secular voices of the world who want to tell you about the temporary kingdom coming in? Or do you have biblical voices 
who want to tell you about the eternal kingdom. So what is, and, and we live in a world where we have so much entertainment, so much media. I, I, Jill and I, we cut the cord, right? We don't have yeah. cable anymore. We now have access to more media now than we did before because we <laughs> right. have Hulu, we have Netflix, we have Peacock, we've got Disney, we've got I mean, YouTube. We've, we have so much media that distracts us a lot. And sometimes yeah. I find as a pastor, I find myself going, holy smokes, why did I just watch four or five hours uninterrupted of Netflix or whatever it may be? And in, in addition, I think we have we have media as a crutch as well. Like I, I have probably my my TV has shown probably The Office, hmm. I mean thirty times sure. through, and it just sits in the background sometimes. And sometimes I'm studying for a sermon on my couch, reading a book with the laptop in front of me, with the Bible over here, and Michael Scott's in the background. It's just right. there as a crutch, and we just we have this media that is it's it's it is changing our world. It's changing our lives. Josie held up this genuine curiosity. I wonder how much binge culture has grown with the increase of general depression this year. You listen to the things that drown out the noise. Mm. And I think that's a great, I mean, people have been home more. Yeah. People have been looking for things to do, ways to fill time. I've and, seen studies that I, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, alcoholism in America right. has nearly doubled. Yeah. It's Andre the gianted is what he's done. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, we are. We're trying to drown out the noise. And I think Christians are doing the same thing. There are a handful of people that I remember when the when the COVID thing started and we were there were a handful of people who commented that this was actually spiritually encouraging them because of all the different all the time they had now, all the access they had to church. You know, we were doing a number of things throughout the week to kind of keep our church people connected sure. and, and heard from a small handful that man, my spiritual life is really increasing during this what time. What is a small handful? Three? Yeah. Okay. I mean, literally, I think if, if it was, that's being generous, yeah. it might've been two. Yeah. Um, it might've been one depending on how much I was actually paying attention. I'm mm. pretty sure it was at least two. Yeah. Because we were broadcasting on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, sure. and then on Sunday and people were like, wow, I didn't realize I could have this much access to the scripture. Right. It's like, um, you have a Bible. Yeah. But, but to their credit, they were using it mm-hmm. and there were people who were not. And then during that same time, it was just like, I don't know what to do. I mean, I, I know I got that way, which was just survive. It was survival mode. This will all be over soon. Everything will get back to normal. And, and it has not. Yeah. And so now we are locked into this binge culture. It's just too easy to have so much access to everything. He talks about here on page 142 about Neil Postman, who wrote a book called Amusing Ourselves to Death. And in it, Postman argued that the medium, talking about TV, actually discouraged reflection and made its viewers into passive consumers rather than critical engagers. Oh, for sure. I mean, so uh, my daughter, uh, we are, we're letting the TV be the babysitter a little bit right. since my wife is back to work and I'm working during the day. And she sometimes, if we put on something colorful on the TV, she'll at least kind of zone out on it for about an hour and a half. Yeah. And that hour and a half is a blessing, right? Yeah. And so Wally was on the TV the other day because it's just a <laughs> cool movie. Um, but we're all turning into those little by and large people. Right. Just let me, We're just turning into... Uh, I don't know. What would you call us? Just zoned out and people. Zombies. Zombies. There you go. I, I genuinely, I wish I had shared this because then it would have made it seem like I was really ahead of the time. But like months ago when the quarantine hit, I was mm. like, oh, so this is how we all got to Wally. Like it's yeah. just, you know, the yeah. whole world is going to, to wherever it is going to. Um, Wally. Wally. It's such a cool movie. It is a good movie. So, 
before we jump into here's how we can turn things around, mm-hmm. I want to ask a question about where has this busted worldview gotten us mm-hmm. with all of this access to just distraction mm-hmm. and then the distraction is full of voices that are just challenging us to go here, go here, go here, go here. Mm-hmm. Where have we ended up? We've ended up like, you know, Wally zombies. Wally zombies. <laughs> we, we have we have traded in the beauty uh, for that which is ugly, we've we've traded in the holy for that which is just absolutely distraction. Um, it, the enemy is winning. Yeah. The enemy is winning. Yeah, I mean, I, I, dear wormwood, uh, I've won. I mean, I, that's, that's it. That's I mean, fire. yeah. Go back and read. What's the name of that? The the big. What's the name of that C.S. Lewis book? Screw tape. Screw tape. That's yeah. it. Screw tape. Yeah. I was going to say the, the anyway. The Big Lebowski. Yeah. That's yeah, not wrong movie. <laughs> wrong movie. All right. So it's a problem of quality of the voices speaking in and also a quantity in the distractions that take us away from the holy, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I know you were telling me earlier that you were having a discussion with your college group that you are, you know, you, you minister and disciple. Right. And they're asking the question, where is God in sure. all of this? Uh, you know, is, is, is God mad at us? Is, you know, what's the deal? Um, first off, my response to some of that would be, uh, maybe he is mad because God's mad at sin, right? Sure. And the wrath of God without the work of Jesus, we are deeply in it. Um, but at the same time, my answer also would be God may have removed himself a little bit. I mean, God, from the nation of Israel for 500 years before the coming of Christ, God sure. he was, was silent. Quiet. He was, yeah. He was silent. He was there, but he was silent. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the nation who he covenanted with. Yeah. Let me remind, um, you know, you, uh, me, let me remind us. Uh, we are the United States of America. We are not Israel. God has not covenanted with us. He has covenant in the new covenant. We who are the church, he has covenanted with us. And the argument can be made that we were established as a Christian nation, all that kind of stuff. And that's a yeah. different conversation. Sure. There, there can be made that our nation covenanted with God in its founding. But we broke that. But we're, 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 we're not Israel. Yeah. We're, 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 we're America. And so we have this mentality as Americans that the world revolves around us mm-hmm. because we won a couple world wars and we've got the strongest, you know, won all of them. Yeah. And so, so we think, all right, if America is in a bad way, then God is mad at the world and mad at the earth. And he has removed himself from all of these different things. Like we're not the center of what God is doing. Mm. I mean, America is not even the center of Christianity. Like no, there, there's, there's, right. we, we don't, right. we don't own Christianity. There are more Christians by far in the rest of the world uh, than there are in America. Like uh, we, we, we might put out the most content. Thank you, mm-hmm. Lifeway. But, <laughs> but we're not the center. And so m- might God be mad and might God have removed himself from America a little bit? Maybe. But that doesn't mean he's removed himself from the world. He didn't, he didn't make a deal with us. Well, and I really like that you said that, particularly referencing just the period of time between the Old Testament and the New Testament where God is silent. Mm-hmm. Because when God starts speaking again, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. And that there is a period of time where things are dark for the nation of Israel. Mm-hmm. And yet when God shows back up, then all of a sudden everything changes. And we may be in a period as Christians where we're going, this is a really tough time. This is, it could be that there are times where God just says, you know what? I'm going to allow you guys to suffer the consequences of your actions. Yeah. And, and you, the church has had a wrong worldview. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have aligned too closely with things of the world. And now when they've let us down and then we go, well, wait a second, what's left. God is saying, okay, those of you who want to come back, come back. Sure. Romans one, I'm going to turn you over to your passions. But it's also fair to say we weren't feeling this way a year ago. Whereas 
so much of what has happened this year in America seems huge. It's a pandemic. It happens. Outside of the pandemic, how is this a different year? Yeah. And I mean, the nasty election stuff. But the reality is other countries go through really difficult times all the time. We've been super comfortable. And then all of a sudden... I will say this. I, I know I've gotten in trouble with myself for name calling, you know, on this podcast, um, calling people snowflakes. I'm going to call people snowflakes, but I'm gonna call every single one of us snowflakes, Uh-oh. all of us, because how about princesses? Princess- what, what is that? Uh, what is that? Um, that nursery rhyme, r- nursery rhyme where the princess has the pee under the mattress or something, you know, that little princess like, and the pee. <laughs> you know, yes. Whatever. Is that what it is? Yeah, right, princess yeah. and the pea. I mean, and so, like, we've been comfortable, and now all yeah. of a sudden, there's that tiny little pebble, the little pea under there. Oh my goodness, what's going on? Yeah. Like, go live in the third world, and yeah. then, and right. then, then let's have an argument about whether God is mad or he's silent or he's gone. But regardless of what's happening, whether God is mad, whether God is silent, whether God is, I don't know if he's gone. I think he's there. I mean, he was there during the intertestamental period. However, whatever God is doing. It's up to us as his people to do what we can to shift our focus back to him mm-hmm. and see what he does. Mm-hmm. And so we need to spend some time addressing where Stetzer gives a lot of his time. Mm-hmm. How do we as Christians get back? Because it's it, the, the third thing we need to do in this whole worldview and, and, and getting it straight again, it's not enough to just criticize. Mm-hmm. We have to fill with better. And so the things that we need to do the things that the way that we get back our correct gospel worldview, it's not going to come from instant gratification. It's going to be different from the world. It's not going to be downloadable. It is going to require consistent effort on our part to do that. Yeah. And Stetzer lays out three things, three practical spiritual disciplines that we need to discuss. Yeah. And hold on to your hats, everybody. These are going this to be, these is, are going to be things that you have never thought of ever. I mean, you need to share this podcast minus the first 30 minutes where we talk about movies with all of your friends because we are going to blow your mind with the information that is contained in this book. Number one. Ready? Scripture. Oh, you mean return to the word of God. You mean let scripture speak into our lives. Let's see what happens if we try it. Well, but you know what? But I mean, Tucker Carlson and Rachel Maddow, they're so entertaining and I read the scripture and you know, I, I, I get a couple pages in, I mean, really, really, yeah. you, you want God to speak into my life instead of political pundits who get paid to incite. I think that would be a good idea. Oh. I mean, Stetcher's talking about that scripture is inputting gospel truth. It is a daily reorientation of our worldview because mm-hmm. there's so much out there. There's so much noise. There's so much untruth. Inputting spiritual gospel truth back into our minds, back into our souls in the midst of a culture where truth is hard to find. And it takes bravery because, again, like I said, we would rather have someone scratch our back in the itch that we have as opposed to allowing the scripture to pierce our heart. And let's be honest. There are a lot of people who are listening. That's like, oh, no. Yeah, I I love the Bible. I read scripture. One of the things I I really. Yeah. Stetcher calls it out. Our confession that the Bible is the divine word of God capable of training us in godliness and preparing us for engaging an outrage culture is an empty statement unless our habits align with the claim. That one hurts. Yeah. How many times? You, I mean, how many times are you actually sitting down to read the scripture? And uh, yeah. I'm going I'm to set up my confession because it's all going to be about how much I read the scripture when we get to the confession portion. And Oof. I'm going to confess before our three listeners. Yeah. 
Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to help you, Tim, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to help probably Josie. Mm -hmm. Definitely not me because this is not something that I need to work on in my Bible reading. Um, I'm very happy with how little it's being done. Mm. Um, No, I'm kidding. What we're going to do, one of the things that we try to do here is that if we're going to give some some tips on how to, that we can give some practical suggestions on things we can do. If you're listening, you probably have a smart device of some kind. You can get the app, the YouVersion Bible app. On there, you can have plans that you can read and it'll help you do that. And that's all fine and good. I know many of us have that. Many of us have done our Bible reading plans and they end up falling short because it's just us doing it. But one of the things that I really like that they offer is a chance to do them publicly together. And so as you listen to this, if you want to hop on to Facebook or you want to email us, goodchristianpod at gmail.com, we would be happy to send you a link where you can join us as we read through scripture on this plan. Yeah. So we will be able to see, you will be able to see how we're doing in our reading. We'll, you can join us. And there's this sense of accountability sure. of I'm going through this plan. You know, we'll do a devotion. We'll read something and you can even give your thoughts on stuff. It'd be a great way to connect as an audience. And I will covenant with you all now. Even if none of you join, I'll still be doing it. Oh, wow. Good for you. Probably. So if, if someone pulls out their Nokia or their Palm Pilot or their BlackBerry and they can't mm-hmm. find the link and all that kind of stuff, uh, you're still going to do it, even if they don't click, th- click through. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I believe people are smart enough to figure out yeah, how to I do think, that. Yeah, I think, I mean, Scripture is one of those things where every single time you say it, people say, yep, I need to do that more. But it yeah. really simply just take, just to get rid of the distraction, turn on, turn off all of the quantity of distraction of everything. All you have to do is give up a little bit of that and spend some time in the scripture and then let that grow from there. So we talk about scripture. Second thing, just again, this is going to blow everybody's mind. Get Second ready. Thing that we need to do Drum is roll sound effect. Pray. Ba-ba! We need to be people of prayer. We need to input that which is holy, and we need to then output back to the holy. It's taking our anxieties, it's taking our insecurities, the things that fuel our outrage, and giving them back to God. Mm. One of the things, I know so many people have said this, but Stetzer brings it out, and he says, I've never seen people go after someone they're praying for. You want to end the outrage on your end, start praying for the people that you were outraged yeah, towards. That's, that's good. And then as you start to do that, see if God doesn't say, hey, I didn't want you to feel that way about that person. And as you give that up, see if God doesn't remind you that yeah. they are made in his image and they are worthy of your love. And, and let me be very controversial here for a second. Uh-oh. So I know we talked about you know everything that's going on in, in, in America, right? Mm. And how it's chaotic and how it's weird and all that kind of stuff. Let me bring up a verse that is often brought up in times like these that I, is taken completely out of context, in my opinion. Jesus wept. No. Second Chronicles. Okay. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will hear, heal their land. Let's make sure we understand the context. Is, is This is to Israel. Israel has a land, but Israel is a people. And so he's saying to my people, Israel... My people, my chosen people, I've called you. If you will simply turn away and pray and repent, and then I, I will heal. I will heal. Mm-hmm. That is not a word that was written to the United States of America. Ooh. It was not a word that was written to any temporary kingdom. Israel is eternal. Mm. Uh, the church, the New Testament church is eternal. So if the context for us is if my people, the church, who are called by my name, the church, the Christians, will humble themselves and pray, I will hear from heaven. And, and they turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will heal their church, not their country. 
I, I mean, I, I, I know people aren't going to agree with that. And let's have a conversation about it. Let's talk about, you know, how things are, you know, not simple and they are complicated. But that was not written to America. That was written to the people of God, his people, his chosen people. And now we as the church, we are the chosen race. We are a holy priesthood. We are the ones who are called out of darkness into marvelous light. That's us. And so what we're doing when we humble ourselves and turn is saying, God, heal our church. And yeah. we still need that prayer. Yeah. We need to pray for our country, but that's not what that verse is talking about. Yeah. And I know every single time we have, a, you know, something on the national mall and every single time we have, you know, praying for revival, it's always praying for revival in America. And that's a worthy prayer. Yes. But we can, and, and, but, and we can pray through second Chronicles seven when we're talking about that, but we can't say this is applicable to us. It's not. Yeah. And so we need to get a right mindset in understanding that. And it's also really important to remember that Second Chronicles chapter 7, that was spoken to a people in a really, really bad time, mm-hmm. right? And God is saying, look, if, if there is a way out of this, but it's returning back to God. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not saying I want America to turn back to God or I want my neighbors to turn back to God or I want this, this, this to turn back to God. It has to be I want to return back to God. I want to have the gospel worldview that I've been called to and stop worrying about other people. Get my life right first. Is this where we cue that Carmen song? What is it? Return to America. God in America again. And And we we do. And we we do. So scripture, prayer, and third is the big, you know, this is again, going to blow your minds. It's a spiritual discipline. Fast. Mm. Be a person who fasts. And when we initially think, and I told you I was going to bring this up, um, when we think of fasting, we think of food or we think of drink or we think of something that we ingest. Let me also tell you that I believe that especially in this election cycle, I think a very good spiritual discipline for the people of God would be to fast from what we ingest. I'm going to make this point from the pulpit in our local church. If you already know who you're going to vote for, Turn off the TV. Yeah. What is the point? Yeah. If you already in 99.9% of America, even now, and this is October 1st when we're recording this, already know who they're voting for. Mm -hmm. These debates are nothing more than theater. We're not figuring out people's policy anymore because we know their policy. We've been drowning in their policy. If you Mm -hmm. already know who you're voting for, why watch? Fast. So go vote on November 3rd. Is it November 3rd? Yeah. Uh, So go vote. Do, Do your civic duty. But in the meantime, focus on the holy. Why do you need to get wrapped up in the outrage? Yeah, it's fun. We like it, and we don't we don't acknowledge that. We don't acknowledge that enough. That we just need to reorient our hearts to God, and in doing that, and in fasting, we are revealing that we are dependent upon Him. I don't think that the way that we act too often reveals our dependency on God. Mm. As Americans, we aren't great at being dependent on something other than ourselves. Yeah. And, and right now, I mean, if you think about it, where we are as a country with COVID and stuff, that has been, that's, I think to me, what has been the most groundbreaking and and earth shattering thing is to go, I'm not in charge anymore. And, and that's where you get angst of people saying, well, now the government is trying to tell me what to do and did it. And I, we need to come back and understand we have to reorient our worldview and it's going to take work. Focus on the holy, and that will change your lens, and then your lens will change how you work out what you see in the world, and that it will be it'll be a cycle, cyclical. If you get the worldview yeah. correct, it will affect everything else about your life, and that's what God has called us to do. A couple more things before we wrap up. When it comes to fasting, real quick, so yeah. hold that thought. Um, just a story about Jill and I. When when we started dating back in summer 1999. 
Um, I, I spent a lot of time over at her parents' house, and we would sit there on the couch and we'd watch TV for hours. You know, I mean, yeah. so you're just spending time. And there was there was like this this period of time. Her, uh, my father-in-law, his big screen TV it was like one of those projection TVs. Like you know, it broke and it, like it needed a new motherboard or something in there. And there was literally no TV in the house. And but we still hung out over at her house, and I, that was as we were like in the beginning of courtship and dating, and you know, and, and beginning yeah. of our lives together. I still look back; she might not remember it, but I still look back as, as such a sweet blessing that was. Yeah, because we actually got to know each other. Yeah, it forced us to talk. It forced us to you know actually look each other in the eye as opposed to just mindlessly watch the TV. Uh, that was a, that was a moment where I learned uh, how fasting shows you; uh, it helps you know what you actually need versus what you want. Right. And, and I think a lot of us need to reorient it in that. Anyway, let, let's continue with these spiritual disciplines. Go ahead. So I want to, I want to hit this and then, and then hit the last couple things. I really love the way Stetzer summarizes this through scripture. We hear Christ's voice speaking into the outrage, giving us wisdom rather than forcing us to seek it from the chaotic masses yeah. through prayer. We cast our anxieties and fear upon Christ rather than pouring them out into a vat of outrage through fasting. We remind ourselves of the soul's dependence upon Christ and the insufficiency of everything else. Mm. Listen, what we have suggested through this book, read your Bible, pray, and fast. That's so simplistic. It's like, really, guys, we get to the end of this podcast, and that's what you're going to say? Yeah. I mean, that's it. That's how we reorient our worldview. And the reason we say it, though, is because Christians are not doing it. Doing it. I mean, that's if you want something that's going to be more sexy than pray, read your Bible and fast, do those first yeah. and then come back and start to ask us, well, give me something more complicated. Do the simple first. Yeah. Stetzer also lays out a couple other things real quick. We'll just yes. hit them. Spiritual teaching that you should have other voices. We've, we've talked about this embodied discipleship. That means once you are walking with God, then you kind of turn it around and bring others along with you. You're not doing this on your own. And then I've asked both Tim and I to come up with one other thing that we would just say, hey, here's what we suggest. And as a way to get our worldview correct, this has been helpful to us. And this is what we suggest. This is not a spiritual discipline, but we're adding this. Yeah. And I'll I'll let you say what you want to say, but I'm going to just all I'm going to do. My suggestion is I'm going to repeat what I just said. Uh, Read your scripture. Uh, read the scripture, pray and fast, and then come back and ask me. I, so let's. I don't even want to add another thing because you might skip over and grab the the cooler pick. Just do those three things, and then let's talk. You know what? Fine, I'll do the same thing. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I have a suggestion as well. And once you've done all that, if you go and read your Bible and you pray and you fast and you're like, man, I'm just not spiritually oriented. What was that other magic bullet? Um, yeah. Send us an yeah, email, and yeah, we'll, we'll send you some we'll, suggestions. We'll send you I like that. Um, so here's the deal. We've given you the second step and what you need to do, which is to recognize and evaluate your factors of distraction. Mm. We've given you the third step where we need to not just criticize, but we need to fill with better. But here is the first thing that you have to do if you want to change your engagement in this outrage, in this worldview. Mm. You have to say, I don't want to participate in the outrage. Sure. You have to get to a point of saying, I don't want to do this anymore. And if you get to a point where you say, you know, I'm not there yet. I still, I have to have this. I have to have these voices. I have to have this engagement where it just, it feeds like, I get it. It is a drug. Yeah. You have to want to get clean. Here was my, in, in my grief of watching the first presidential debate, here was my prayer afterwards. Lord Jesus, help people to see the emptiness of this. 
help people to see the depravity of this in this darkness somehow allow your church to shine bright because if the church can't show a difference from that yeah then what are we doing what are we doing and if in in the church needs to first say i I don't want that i don't want people to see that in me i want people to see goodness and love and forgiveness and grace of jesus not the outrage and the argument and the nonsense that um, i i don't want to grieve the world yeah i want to give the world life Let's hit into confession. Let's get out of here. Yeah. And let's end this well. So you kind of already hit on your confession. Do you want to expound on that? I can. So I'm a pastor and I spend probably 25 to 30 hours a week in the scripture um, to build a sermon. Yeah. And there is way too many times in my ministry. And uh, this is an app. This is, this is, you know, there's no pride in this at all. This is absolute confession. Uh, There's way too many times where I get through an entire week, month, quarter where I feel like I've read the scripture and I've done enough, but I've done it as a means to an end for a sermon, not a means to an end for my own discipleship Yeah, where I've, I'm like, man, I've spent so much time in the scripture. I, I'm, I'm good. I got my scripture reading in for the day. Um, and, and I, I'm, my spirit is so much more alive when after I'm done or before I, you know, whatever it is, I'm doing my sermon prep that I actually read the scripture from my own edification, not just the edification of the people in the pews. Yeah, same. I mean, in terms of worship prep and everything like that, yeah. it's it's looking at it uh, as as part of my job as opposed to just my own discipleship. My confession, um, I was really convicted after reading this. In fact, it was it was funny because during the portion where Stetzer's talking about binging and how all of these medias are just pulling for your love, they want your discipleship. The first time I read this, maybe a year or two ago, yeah. I wrote in the little margin, that's a little bit of a reach. Right. Because at the time it was stepping on my toes. Mm. And now that I'm looking back on it, I went, yeah, I just didn't like what it was saying to me at that time Mm. because I love entertainment. I love TV. I love movies. And I can very like I I, I don't say I pride myself, but I I try to make sure that I'm evaluating my media choices. Right. Like I'm not just going to absorb everything like you keep an eye on what. But it hasn't been so much of how much. And I was thinking how like there was a show that came out. I won't name it, but there was a show that came out last year. My wife and I pretty much binge watched it for the course of a week. We watched it. Just released some new episodes. A new season came out and we sat down to watch it and we watched the recap of what happened. And I went, I don't remember any of this. Like I gave so much of my time to this show over the course of a few days that now when I've revisited, I go, I don't even know why I'm rewatching this. Mm -hmm. I don't even know. Like, like this was a a moment in my life that I gave so much significant time to, and it was inconsequential. And how often do we do that with things? And so for me, I've really been challenged to go. I need to maybe work on turning off the, like we we've, we've come down hard on people who watch that statement. What? Finish that statement. You almost said it. You need to work hard on what? Turning well, off. Turning off the TV. Okay. And gotcha. what I was going to say. But you is, didn't say TV. No, no. no. But this, here this I was, is it, like. But this is like making a politician. You know, say it, something on a debate stage. This you is have my to confession. Leave me the alone. Statement. No, no. What I was going to say is, is that we have come down pretty hard on people yeah. who engage with the news, and we say, yeah. turn it yeah, off. Yeah. Turn off the TV. But sometimes it's just a matter of you're just wasting time. Yeah. And so that to me is where we need to. I need. I need to work on redeeming the time a little bit Just better. Just wasting time. Letting and the hours roll by, doing nothing for the fun of it. That sounds like a good song. That's Dave. Yeah. Matthews. Yeah. 
So let's jump into uh, great Christian people. I want to introduce you guys to someone that I don't know outside of Twitter. Okay. That I have my group of people that I follow who really mean a lot to me. And every now and again, this guy just showed up either in some of the people retweeting him or just, hey, we recommend this guy. And I'm like, I don't know this guy. I don't whatever. His name is David Cassidy. He is the pastor in Tennessee at Christ Community Church. And this guy, he is worth a follow. DP Cassidy C3. I love the way that this guy engages. Um, it has surprised me because he is very, very good at kind of shooting for the middle, particularly when talking about politics and pastoring through that. And as a pastor who is in Tennessee, I would have to imagine his congregation, his church family are probably pretty on the right. And the way that he engages and calls out and not just, not just about politics, but in worldview, like that's the thing that he keeps calling back to that. And the pinned tweet, the tweet that's at the top that I read every time I go to his page, it means so much to me. I just want to share this with you guys. He said, prayer for 2020, Lord, help me today to be responsive rather than reactive, contemplative rather than contentious, creative rather than critical, hopeful rather than despondent, and to take heart from the good news rather than lose heart over the world news. That's good. Amen. I mean, it's the bumper sticker stuff. Yeah, there, sure, sure. But it's really, really good. And uh, I just, I really, if, if you guys are on Twitter... I mean, give the guy a follow. He's worth it. DP Cassidy C3. Really dig him. Yeah, I don't follow David Cassidy on, on Twitter, but I've seen the Partridge family and Bonanza hey. and all that kind of stuff. So I, I feel like I already know the guy. Uh, we are trading places because over the last several episodes, uh, when we get to great Christian people, I have been talk, talking about these national names or people that I don't know. And you yeah. have been talking about people that you do know. I'm going to go in the completely opposite direction. You want to talk about me? No. Uh, great Christian people. I'm gonna I'm gonna mention a name that there is no chance on God's green earth that his name has ever been mentioned on anything the social media or on a podcast. This guy was salt of the earth, simple farmer boy from uh, uh, let's see from Ohio. I don't even remember the the name of the town in Ohio. Um, he is he is my aunt's father. Uh, you know my aunt for marriage. My aunt's father's name is Jack Hartley, and Jack Hartley is a guy who I would see once a week. Every year with our little family vacation out to Deep Creek Lake, he has gone on to be with the Lord now. Um, but he, he, you know, he was kind of like the uh, the pitchfork guy in that, you know, that little <laughs> American um, Gothic. Thank yeah. you. He was just a, he was just salt of the earth, just rural guy. But he was a man that every single time that I would wake up early because I'm an early riser, I would get up as a kid. I would wake up and he would either be on the front porch either in the scripture, on his face praying, on his knees praying, or he would be out in the woods singing a song or something. That man taught me what it was like to, in the morning, reorient his life to the Lord. He was just a, uh, never never had money, uh, never had fame, never had anything that we would call uh, wealth, but he was a wealthy man in the Lord, Mr. Jack Hartley, and, and, and I certainly give him, uh, give him honor. And I look forward to seeing him again, for sure. He was a great Christian person. Let's all go be Uncle Jacks. As we're going to close today, I wanted to ask Tim, uh, because as we've all acknowledged over the last few episodes, his voice is significantly better sounding than mine is, um, to read a passage of Scripture that Stetzer includes at the end of this chapter that wraps everything up. And this is the challenge for us as we head out to reorient our worldview. Tim, Read First Peter 1, 13 through 16. Yeah, the words of Peter, the early church, and us. Prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. 
Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything that you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. That is our challenge as we go. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in and for listening to us. We would love it if you would follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GCP Pod. Email us at goodchristianpod at gmail.com. We would love an opportunity to continue having this conversation with you. Next week, if you are reading in the book, make sure you pick up chapters 9, 10, and 11. We will cover all of that in the Christians in the Age of Outrage series. This week, we're going to work to reset our focus. And we're going to come back next week as we look at how to live out and engage the culture with the love and light of Jesus. And until then, be good. Good Christian People, the podcast. Today's episode was recorded on October 8th, 2020 by Jeff Higgins and Tim Beyer, two pastors living in beautiful Glen Burnie, Maryland. If you'd like to find more of our content, please check us out online at goodchristianpod.com or by following us on Twitter at at gcppod. Today's episode of Good Christian People, the podcast. Uh, I wanted to uh, confess something here. Tensions fly to new staggering heights as Jeff reveals something that might change the group forever. All right, so you gave a dollar and you decided your fathers would probably write you out of your father's will. Is this the end of Good Christian People, the podcast? I gave my first political donation to the Democrat Party. So you decided to invest monetarily into a temporary kingdom instead of giving to the Lord's kingdom. Find out next time. You can get rid of that.